Welcome to the Net and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. With Natalie winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they have returned from their full-time family adventure in Europe and are now grounding down in Australia where they are focused on all of you. How can your dream become reality this decade, perhaps even this year? Not only do Nat and Sarah bring us their three-step manifestation process complete with downloading worksheets, but also their realities of failed attempts and some of the frustrations that color their path. They believe that this life journey was never intended to be jolt-free, but rather a powerful trip down the raging rapids of life. Each week, the Nat and Sarah Show will navigate the epic lives of their mentors to uncover how they use their own manifestation process to produce dreams that are available to us all. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah Show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop-style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a corporate lawyer turned youth fitness advocate. Imagine being a leading corporate lawyer and management consultant, advising publicly listed companies and governments on, on how to save millions of dollars, to then buying and building your own gym aimed at teaching and training kids. It's not like these two things were related fields at all. Sam Mathers was the Australian corporate mom of two who was passionate about her CrossFit and exercise and was coaching functional fitness to youth as a volunteer. It was a conversation between her and her hubby that asked, if I could do anything and money didn't matter, if I could do what I'm truly passionate about, if I could do what I'm truly passionate about, what would I be doing? And the answer came out crystal clear, coaching youth. She recognized that consulting law may have paid well, and she was good at it, but she wasn't changing lives. So the writing was on the wall in big block letters. Make the change. And in 2016, she created Fitter Futures with her front and center tagline, Changing Lives. She no longer dreams about what could be, but is living it moment by moment. When Sam invited us to her colorful, modern, and epic new gym space opening, hearing her story had me know I had to share it with our wider community. It's the permission some of you need to take the plunge. As you listen to her story, please be aware that this has been brewing in her since 2012 and probably even longer before that. So it's an evolution. Recognize what stage you might be in and then listen for what's possible in Sam's story. Sam? Super grateful that you're taking a moment out of startup, hectic land to talk to us. Like, I know you've made a commitment to make this work today. So thank you. Thanks for having me. You've, you put actually put a big smile on my face when you summarize my kind of journey like that, because it's mm -hmm. so, 
yeah, I'm so far from where I used to be, you know, mm. but it's very, it's um, much, I'm happy. I'm happier. Um, and I'm much more satisfied with what I'm doing and the difference that we're making and feeling like there's a legacy that, um, that I'll be leaving, you know? So, mm. and I love, cool. you know, how you say changing lives, how that was a really critical piece for you knowing that you were good at something it paid well but in your heart it didn't feel like you were changing lives and so now it's a tagline it's written you know on the glass doors you know it's there front and center so what's the earliest memory you have of wanting to make a difference to people and changing lives um that's a really good question i think i actually think that i've always had this natural bent towards wanting to coach mentor um help other people like my 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 earliest childhood memory of what do you want to be when you grow up was a teacher funnily enough and it used to drive my sister my younger sister nuts because when we were younger i always wanted to play schools and i wanted to be the teacher and she you know she had to be the student and she didn't want to be um and you know and i tutored kids in like maths and all that sort of stuff when i was you know earning part-time money and i coached a lot of sporting teams just out of you know the love of it mm. um and even when i moved into like corporate law when i was a lawyer in a law firm i was really heavily involved in the mentoring program like helping young lawyers sort of develop as um as lawyers as well so mm. um it's funny because you know you look back at all those things where you know at a time in your life where you're not actually thinking about well what do you think what do i think i should be doing right. versus what do I, what's my natural kind of strength? Um, and, um, and, you know, the same when I look back uh, at, um, you know, when I was living that corporate life as well, I was the one who was, you know, getting people to, motivating people to get together, to go for a run after work or to enter the corporate triathlon or to put in the touch footy team or whatever, whatever. Um, so I find it really, it's, I'll tell you just a short story. Yeah, Sorry yeah. Less, but, um, I, li I like stories. It's the best. So um, not that long ago, my parents were clearing out their house and they found this, um, you know, like those motivational posters that are framed mm -hmm. um, and I'd forgotten all about it. And on the back of it, it were, all these people from my workplace had signed it with lots of different messages. This is back in like the year 2000, I think, or maybe 1999. Mm -hmm. um, and all the, and it was a gift that I'd been given by all these people at the, at the law firm I worked at who was saying, the messages are like, you know, thank you for, you know, I never thought I could run 10Ks, you know, if it wasn't for you um, organising those runs. Or I never thought I would be able to do that triathlon and thank you. And, and the, um, here's the irony of it. My, hus my now husband, um, Tim, mm -hmm. was working at the law firm at the time and he'd written on it. And this is before we were a couple. As well. And he was like, he, he called me Sammy. He said, oh, you know, hi, Sammy, thanks for all your energy and enthusiasm and motivating all of us to, you know, um, to get fit. Wow. And so this is like before I wasn't, I wasn't a coach then. I was a lawyer. So I just find it really interesting that I've almost come this full circle, um, you know, and, that, and this, that's where I am now. So, so I actually think that it's something that I was born to do. I know that sounds really cliche, but I, I actually now believe that it was something I was born to do yeah. and that this is the gift that I have. And now I'm able to share that. And 
like almost on a daily basis, there's some feedback or some story that I get from a parent or a adult who we're training who is reminding me of the difference that we're making at Fitter Futures in people's lives. And that's what makes me smile. Wow. I just love this. You know what I'm getting from your, your story there is this idea that there's an invisible thread like weaving through our lives, showing us what we're really called to do, cliche or not cliche. And what I love now, you're kind of like making it visible, right? But for many people listening, it potentially is still invisible, the thread. Mm. And so that's what I think so beautiful about hearing why I love having these conversations with someone who's taken the plunge and followed the thread um, like you have and having the support of people that, you know, are giving you the space to do it as well. But before I, I want to go forward in, I want to uncover a little bit more around this idea that it was always what you were meant to do, but I want to not miss this. However, you became a lawyer, a corporate lawyer. How did yes. the teacher that was annoying her sister become a corporate lawyer? Was it an off track moment or what, what is that? How did that even happen? Well, I was always, um, I was a high achiever at school. I did really well, um, you know, academically. I loved watching LA Law on TV. I thought that's what it was like to be a lawyer. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I, I was genuinely interested in law. Um, and I did like, you know, how you do work experience in high school. I actually went to the Supreme Courts in New South Wales. I was living in Sydney at the time and really enjoyed it. So I thought, um, you know, and I was good at, um, uh, when I say arguing, <laughs> um, you know, having like, you know, um, an opinion on things and being, you know, public speaking and all that sort of thing. So it made sense. I was natural. I did well at school in the subjects that, you know, that were the written subjects like English and all that sort of stuff. So it seemed like a natural, like a good fit. Mm. Um, here's the irony though. Uh, so I was all set to like for the last two years of high school. Yeah. I want to be a lawyer. Um, and then the final day before you could change your mind, you know, where you put in your preferences for uni, yeah. I went to the hairdresser and, you know, cause hairdressers are the source of all knowledge and having this chat and, um, the hairdressers who had known me for a few years said, I'm really surprised you chose law because, you know, cause you're so into your sport and all that. I thought you would have chosen something else like maybe physio or sports science and, and even then like I was really interested in reading up about those things like I would read articles all the time about you know about different athletes and you know ways of training and so I, I was interested but I thought it was just a hobby right mm. um and so I came home that night and um was thinking about what this hairdresser had said to me and thought yeah actually well, that makes a lot of sense so I, I actually changed my preferences that that night um, wow. To, yeah, I did to a degree in human movement um, studies, human movement at um, UQ, which is exercise science, right? My parents were like, what are you doing? Like, you've been talking the last two years about doing law and, you know, that's all you've wanted to do. And now you go to the hairdresser and the hairdresser <laughs> thinks it's a good idea to do something else. Like, you know, are you nuts? Anyway, anyway I changed the preference. I got into human movement um, at UQ. And um, I did it for the first six months of uni and had the life of a full-time student and all that. So um, that was fun. Uh, and then I was thinking, okay, well, what kind of job could this lead me to if I get this degree? And I thought, I don't want to be, and this is, I remember the thought, I don't want to be a PE teacher. 
I don't want to work in a gym. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, the only job I think I'd really want is like working for the Australian Institute of Sport and how many jobs are there like that? And it probably comes down to who you know. So I actually don't see a lot of sense in following this through. So I might as well make a change. And then I thought maybe I'll be a physio. And then I spoke to physios and they said, you know, you think that your experience with physio is sports physio, but that's like a fraction of what physio is really about. And they told me about all the other stuff. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Hmm. Um, So at that point I was like, okay, this is not going to be a smart career path for me. So I'm going to leave uni. I'll go and get a job full time and then I'll start fresh next year in my law degree and, you know, bachelor of business and international business and law. Hmm. And then, um, so I went and got a job in a law firm and um, I think, thinking it was going to be for six months and then at the end of that six months the firm I was working at said hey you know if you want to go and study law we'll support you you can do your articles through us which is like basically like your apprenticeship if you want to be a lawyer um and you know the old-fashioned way where you basically do it over five years so you work full-time and study part-time and you know you eventually get your degree after six years but you've got six years of experience behind you and that's what I did wow I'm yeah. so glad you shared that. But you know why? Because I think the trajectory of following our passion is like that. Like what you just described is like this moment where your heart, something called you, because I really don't believe it's because the hairdresser said so. You know, it's something that she said that reminded you something inside. And then mm-hmm. your parents are there, you know, like all the people around you they're yeah. trying to help you like everyone has your best at heart um and and it's like these moves that we make like i what i started off at <laughs> at uni is so interesting it's very similar to you in that i was like oh but this is a thing i'm interested in but you know this is kind of the more elite way of doing it let me just one up you know kind of like accelerate it upgrade it a little and it ended up not being the thing that i was really good at and the thing that I was really passionate about so yeah it's interesting I love hearing that like how those little moments occurred and I mean you had your the experience you somehow find yourself coaching and mentoring and helping people around fitness anyway you meet your husband um you know so that's always a good thing but yes. I just wanted to follow that thread because I think that it's good to know that that there's different turns that we take I believe nothing's lost yeah. in doing it that way. It's just perfect how it's ended up. But, you know, when you were in that space, I want to talk about this like kind of middle zone when you're in your corporate lawyer, you're consulting, you're into your kind of CrossFit and exercise, you start volunteering to coach youth fitness. So you're kind of being moved a little in that direction. But when did you start to realize you are really hooked into it and it wasn't just going to maybe be a hobby? Um, well, when we were doing the volunteer, when I was volunteering to coach the kids program in the gym that I was at, um, I could very quickly see the impact we were having and the satisfaction I was getting out of that. And, not, and it's not just the physical impact. It was the confidence that you could see these kids, you know, gaining from, from doing it. And, um, and, you know, to me, that was like, it's so important, you know, you when you can when you can impact someone so profoundly at such a young age it's like having that you know that teacher that just is the teacher you remember for for life because mm. you know they they really sort of made an impact on you and um 
yeah, I think at that, I don't know whether you call it like a midlife crisis. It wasn't a crisis. It was just like this moment where I thought, you know, this is like, this is so, like, so needed. Um, and imagine if we could do it on a bigger scale. Like, imagine if we could impact, you know, go to more, take it to more schools and impact more kids than the 50 kids who were in the program that were running then. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the time, it just seemed like, but you know, I'm I'm on I'm on a good wicket. Like I'm I'm manage, I'm my own boss, mm-hmm. management consulting. I choose my hours that I work, or I choose the projects I want to take on. I get paid really well to do it. Um, why would you know? Is it sensible to give that up? You know, yeah. When, how did you deal with that? I bet that yeah. was a real internal thing happening for you. Yeah, it was. It was for a, a long time actually. Like um, because you know it was, I've always been financially independent as well. Like even, I mean, of course we have joint bank accounts, all that sort of stuff, but I've always contributed my, you know, what I, what I, what I viewed as my fair share, mm-hmm. you know, into like paying the mortgage and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I knew that if I made this change, I would probably never or may never replace that income. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a decision, I guess, that I knew it impacted more than just me. It was obviously my husband as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess we went from, like, uh, you know, actually what, how it all kind of came to a head was for the first time ever in my sort of, you know, consulting career, I had an unexpected, like, break in between jobs, like okay. in between contracts. I had a contract that was supposed to be for, like, 10 weeks and it fell over at the last minute, so all of a sudden, like I've got 10 weeks where I don't have any work lined up mm-hmm. and that had never happened before. And even that was unsettling. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to like, you know, I should be contributing. And my husband's like, what are you talking about? Like you've been, you've been saying for how long that you, you wish you had more time to like do, spend more time with the kids and do more stuff with the kids at school. And cause you know, I was working really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, why don't you just like enjoy it? Like it's a gift. And I actually didn't, it wasn't until I heard that from a few girlfriends where I realized actually, you know what? He's right. (laughs) Um, I should like just stop being so um, stressed about the fact that I'm not contributing. These are my words, right? I know I'm contributing, right? But that's, this is my own perception of my contribution. Absolutely. Um, And um, anyway, it was in that 10 weeks where I decided, right. If I want to do this fit of futures thing, Mm-hmm. then now's the time to do it. So it was in those 10 weeks that we started Fitter Futures. We stood it up. I was still, I was still planning on working, like in consulting work, um, and just made the decision that, yep, I, I really want to give, it, give this a crack and build it over time and set up the company and um, started, wow. started, you know, just doing it in the afternoons, you know, a few afternoons a week when I wasn't doing my other work. and. You know, I think when we opened, we were renting um, space in someone else's gym for a couple of hours a week. We had like 14 kids, you know, in our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we started. And so for the next two years, I continued doing the consulting work as I was sort of trying to grow Fitter Futures on the side, really. Um, and then eventually, you know, it, it was growing and got to the point where, you um, it needed more than just like part-time focus. And the other thing I noticed is that I was starting to resent having to do the consulting work. Like I was so 
dispassionate, if that's a word, mm. about it, that it felt like a real chore to have to do that work to supplement, you know, my income. And um, at that yeah. point, it was like, okay, if, if I'm serious about giving this a red hot crack, then there's only room for one thing. And um, yeah, I just had really like full support from my husband. He's like, you should do what makes you happy. You know, he, we're fortunate that he's, you know, in a position where his job pays well. Um, so, you know, we might have to make a few adjustments, but we can, you know, we can do that. Um, but, you know, he's, it was important to him too that I was happy doing wow. what I wanted to do. So, you know, I'm so grateful to have that support. Absolutely. Um, and, it's, and it's good that you're mentioning it as well so that people get the whole story for themselves. Yeah. Um, the thing I just thought, imagine if we called it instead of a midlife crisis, a midlife awakening. Yeah. Um, because that's what it sounds like occurred, like this kind of waking up to these ideas that you had in your head around my fair share, like how your girlfriends, I think that's hilarious how your husband says it, but then when your girlfriends say it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah good one. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that was a good point he made. Um, but I think that awakening is really cool because you can hear, I think all of us have these like inner patterns of thought that maybe hold us back. And especially, you know, when we want to plunge at something, when we know something's a good idea, but I also love the, the fervor with which you plunge, you know, 10 weeks, get it off the ground, take an action, do something. Um, and I know there was like then a second action when you actually bought a gym space. Yeah. So, so I know that, that was, a that, that was a big plunge. That was a big, that was like, hold your breath and right. jump. Yeah. So what, tell me about the vision that you had and was it important that you had the vision in order to take the hold the breath plunge? Definitely. So I've still got the notes from that, that 10 weeks. The first thing I did, and I, and I think this is where, you know, things happen for a reason. So all the background that I had in, as you know, as a corporate lawyer and then as a management consultant, like I've, I kind of was a starting a bit ahead of the game, I think, in terms of knowing the importance of having a clear vision around, you know, what do you want it to look like and, you know, trying to get those things in place. Um, and, you know, one of the things on there was about eventually, like having a, this flagship training centre that really did justice to, you know, the scale and the um, quality of what we do. So, and I've still got those notes. Um, that It's really interesting to look back on them now because, it's nice to look back and go, yeah, actually, we've done that. We've done that. We've done that. We've done that, you know, or this, and there's still some things that are on that, on that list that we, you know, are probably like five year goals, but um, yeah, really important. Um, and so it was written out. It wasn't a visual, right? You actually wrote notes. Was I wrote cool? notes. Yeah. yeah. I wrote notes um, around, you know, what I thought it could be and, um, and, you know, some visual, like some sketches and, um, but yes, uh, you know, I did, I did spend a bit of time sort of doing that brain dump around what do I think it could be? Mm. And, um, you know, and now we're, I guess with our new facility, we're able to, um, deliver on a lot of that stuff. Like I always wanted to have this place where families could connect and like, you know, be really like be special known for our specialist expertise in the youth space, but be so good at what we do that we could offer that, um, you know, to, all members of a family so that all of a sudden then you've got this this amazing location where 
the whole family's connected there. You know, it's something they can do together. It's an opportunity for families to connect um, oh, and to do something that's going to have longevity in their life, you know, that can actually, uh, you know, it's quite possible that we'll have kids who start training with us when they're five or 10 and, you know, assuming we're still around in like 20 years time, they'll be adults and bringing their kids through, you know, that's wow. the sort of place. Yeah. Okay. We have to share now this family day Sunday when Nat and I and Jordan rock up and I was like, awesome because I've been to your gym space. And I just have to say for everybody that the attention to detail, I love that story, Sam, when you told about how you came up with the kind of the creative aspect, the colors and, um, you saw like an artist or something and you like you hired her because you, you really liked what she was providing. Uh, yeah. That was the graphic that? designer. Yeah. The graphic, uh, so not the graphic, the interior designer yes. who yeah. Um, helped us. Yeah. With uh, finishing the, yeah. Yeah. She okay. was great. Cause I want to say something. I want to make a couple cool points just from what you've done and how it impacts people and what I believe impacts success because you, I remember you sharing me to, with me that story and I have shared about your space so many times without you asking me to. She, <laughs> she never you. said, oh, please share with people. But I share about the color, like how in, engaging it is. It's like, I feel like it's like the CrossFit Games, firstly, in its stature. But then the <laughs> colors for kids, it just draws them in. And I've just found myself doing the marketing referral marketing at its best. I'm just like <laughs> talking about it. And then we show up as a family and I'm like excited for our little family. And next thing you know, it's packed. And I was like, Oh my word, look at all these people. And it, I couldn't believe it. Like, God, what was it? Was it 50 people? Uh, we had about four. I think we had about 40 people turn up that day. Yeah. Yeah. Kids, so I, adults and kids. Yeah. So that was kind of exactly all the whole family. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then um, I just remember doing box jumps with Jordan and how you have all the different sets, which is really yeah. cool as well. Um, and then I saw Jordan, um, where was this? I saw her in another environment at a birthday party or something. And she was doing the jumps, like, like, <laughs> like box jumping sort of thing. And I was like, oh, she learned it that day you know, at your place. Yeah, yeah. And it was just this really cool circular moment. I guess that's what you're talking about in, in the future, having kids, training kids, bring their kids. But I just want to say that when you follow the thread, even when your logical mind that goes, oh, well, what's the business of getting a human movements degree? Look at what you've created now. Yeah. You know, that there, there was a business in it. And so when you had the vision, um, how long between first the vision and the construction? Um, so the vision would have been, so we're, we're three and a half years old now. Mm -hmm. um, so it would have been probably uh, three and a half years or maybe just a little bit longer that um, I had that initial sort of, writing down, you know, what I think good could look like. But in terms of that, you almost have to, um, when we opened this new facility, it was almost like um, revisiting that, um, mm -hmm. especially around like the design of the new place and what, what did we want to achieve out of it? And you mentioned the colour, like that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased that you ap appreciate that. But, but see, but that's part of my personality in the gym too because I love colour. Like I've got mm -hmm. everything. I love colourful clothes. I've got colourful tights. I've got 
my artwork is like art is one of my favorite things to collect so ah, okay. yeah, having color in the gym too was also almost like a little bit of a piece of me in there um but you know wanting something to be bright and what have you but yeah I think um the initial vision was probably yeah three and a half years ago um and now because we've got this amazing facility which we can do so much more with um you know you you know you kind of revisit that and make adjustments and you know yeah think bigger again so it's I think the vision is it's always you know it's not something that you do once and then never revisit like you there'll be different times where you sort of you check in with that say is it still what I want is it still what it should be yeah should we be doing something else or something more okay so we're definitely painting the rainbows and sunshine here but do doubts come in do has like what are some of the challenges in this lovely rainbow of color what comes up hard work it's hard work it's really hard work um no doubt I, i think i work more hours than i ever did as a lawyer or a -hmm. consultant and i worked in like international law firms where the hours are long um you do have it's been like i think i mentioned to you before we got on this call about like trusting your gut is such a something i've always believed in Mm -hmm. um and there have been plenty of moments where some of that self some of that doubt starts to creep in. Like, oh, geez, was this a good idea? Oh, shit. Like, you know, should I? Um, and then, you know, especially like opening a place like we've got now, like that was a massive commitment for us financially as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you've kind of like got that weight on your shoulders. So, um, you know, and my husband and I had lots of conversations about that. And, you know, he's, you know you're going to have to have a business plan. But I said, yeah, I, I get that. Like, I'm, you know. I said, I'm not stupid. I get that. But um, I don't, I don't know all the answers like right now as to exactly how that's going to play out. But I also just have to trust my gut that this is going to work. Like I really believe it's going to work. Do you feel the weight, the pressure of owning that space? And like, even I relate a little bit to like, I can, I can kind of hear that that what your husband's saying and my experience of Nat sometimes I'm just like ah like yeah it can feel a bit heavy how do you deal with that yeah look um you know the I actually think the pressure is the pressure I put on myself more Mm -hmm. so than pressure I feel from anyone else so um I guess you know part of I guess one of the the double-edged sword of being a high achiever innately is that you know, when it, if I've, anything I've ever done, you know, I don't do things by halves. Yeah. So for, for me, like my picture of success is not just making it work. It's like really kicking ass with it, you know, like really doing yeah. amazing things. And, you know, like even when we opened, first opened, my, I said to Tim, my, you know, my initial goal is just to be cash flow positive from when we opened the doors. And he looked at and he said you know most businesses don't work like that it can take it can take years to be Mm. cash flow positive from when you open doors I said I I understand that but this is like for for me like I I didn't want to have to lean on our savings to pay bills like and and this is this is what I mean it's not it's not him it's not him saying sure putting this pressure on me this is like things that I you know the pressure I put on myself so um I think, you know, sometimes you need people around you that can just check you on that, you know, because, 
um, it's it's easy, I think, to get yourself in a position where you might feel like maybe you're not hitting those goals that you that you or, or it's easy to focus on the things you're not doing or yes. not getting or not whatever and overlook the things that you have done and that you have achieved and like um, for me like that's probably one of my um, flaws is that it, it's yeah and you know what I think it goes back to I think back to my childhood when I got a really good result on an exam I'd be focused on was it was it the best result or did I like how much off you know perfect score was it right yeah okay so rather than sort of celebrating the fact that hey you did your best and that's actually a really good outcome you know yeah we another interview we did with um Dr. Jeff Spencer he talks about the champion's blueprint and how so often people like it's like the perfectionistic paradigm which is really what he says is it's focusing on the 10 percent that isn't there or isn't happening yeah versus the 90 percent that is sorry it's the champions yeah did i say that champions blueprint so he really speaks to that and i think what i love about this whole conversation is just how real like i call it being in the game like you are in the game of this business and what you want to create for kids and yep. youth and people in general, you know, wanting to change lives. And so to me, there's people from the outside making commentary, like people might judge it. People might have something to say, like for me, they're on the stand, they're like sitting there. Like yep. that's the people watching the footy game. Yep. You're in. And I just really want to res- I just honor you and respect you. The moment you shared your story, I just thought, wow, this is just so profound. And I feel that, like I, I looked over and me and Nat are crying and Monty was crying because <laughs> you know why? Because we might not know you for a long time, but we recognize within ourselves that piece that wants to follow the thread and, and live and be in the game and actually play the game and make a difference. So I just, I just want to thank you for sharing your story, for being the kind of person that's willing to jump in and oh thank you yeah it's just so beautiful i can't wait to to see it evolve and be a part of it and work out there and go to family day and have all my friends at family day and yeah i'm looking forward to that too yeah it's really great so thank you so much really appreciate you no thank you for having me and um and for thinking that my story is worthy of sharing with others so um yeah i think the message for me is like you just gotta trust your gut and um, if you can, if you have that opportunity to do something that you're passionate about that, um, you know, and the, and the sort of the, the freedom to be able to, to do it, then it's, it's very satisfying. Mm. It's hard. Yes. It can be hard work, but it's satisfying. Here, here. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, 
When you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.